can we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, I would echo what George said to covet your prayers. I had, I say, difficulty finding a text. Mostly because where it seemed to to be, it well, there's a number of places in the Bible where it seems like there's uh, a problem trying to pick a, a portion out of such a long piece because it all ties back or ties ahead to the what's coming. I will look, turn to the book of Colossians and I will read in the second chapter, I will read starting at the eighth verse and I will read through the end and maybe even look into some of the third chapter. Reading in Jesus' name, starting at the eighth verse. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principalities and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen in him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And ye being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of unholy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you over your reward in a voluntary humility and in worshipping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head which, from which all the body by joints and bands have nourish, having nourishment ministered and knit together increases in the incre- with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though, though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrine of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and the neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Amen. Paul, this is one of Paul's letters. And he starts with this part what I read that says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. We look in the world and there is a seeming endless supplies, supply of different philosophies, different teachings. I believe if we turn to the book of Revelations even, it tells us in the one portion there that it will be an almost overwhelming amount of it at the end of time that will be there if I can turn to it. I don't know why it doesn't seem to be. Oh, here it is. It says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which had brought forth the man-child. And the woman was given wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she had nourishment for a time 
and times and half times from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth waters of flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth swallowed up, opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. We read and this word of God is compared to water and I believe this here in Revelations is speaking that the devil will give an overwhelming flood of his teachings, doctrines, anything that is contrary to man in such an overflowing that it would seem that it would just wash away the church. And we know if we read history that there's men and more than one of philosophers and men of supposed wisdom who claim that, well, the one man I remember claimed that he would believe that in his lifetime he would see the Bible relegated to museums and shelves like that. And I think it is how it is. The devil is not fussy how he tries to deceive people. It's only the deception that is important. And he will bring forth any sort of teaching to try and distract us. Try to turn our focus onto something that man has come up with. Instead of looking to God. It says here, philosophy and vain deceit after, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. And then it says, and not after Christ. So it isn't that we would look at some things and think, well, maybe this is something. And I'm not saying that there isn't wisdom in the world. There are Teachings, and there are some men that I have to say that I enjoy reading what they write or listening to what they say. They have been given wisdom. And there is even some of them that I marvel at the amount of wisdom that they seem to have, and yet they seem to forget to bring God into the picture. There's that place, and I don't believe that I can turn to it, but it is when um, Absalom rebels against David, and it speaks of two men who were used as um, to give advice, advisors to the king. And it says that the one man spoke as the, of the oracles of God, and yet that he, the advice that he gave was contrary to what God wanted, it was good advice. He advised Joab that they would just go and, and attack David right away and destroy him. And it was advice that was sound and would have accomplished what they were wanting, and yet God did not want that to happen. So he turned them that they would listen to the other man who advised against it. We can come up with good things as people. But we need to look to Christ. Look to God for direction, for wisdom. Look into this word of God. And I think I've said it here before. It is amazing to me what questions that I can have and I can sit and look into the word of God and there is an answer. The problem is quite often to my natural mind or to my thinking, it's like that's not the answer I want to hear. And I pray that we would be given the ability, even as it speaks further down here, to overcome this flesh. That its ideas and wants and desires and plans could be sidelined, or even as it says, that it would be crucified. That we could look to Christ and seek 
his direction, seek his guidance. It says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It is something that I have to admit that I, I don't, I have read this verse, I don't know how many times, and marveled at it. It speaks of Christ, and, it, and we know that he came down and walked in this world with a natural body just as we have. He was subject to, it says, all the temptations as we are. It's sometimes something I marvel at, that he actually, anything that we get tempted with, he was tempted with that by the devil. And it seems hard to believe, and yet, if we look at it, and we look at how the devil works, we can believe that he would do everything in his power to try and deceive Christ. And, and in him doing that, he was only accomplishing what God wanted, that we would have a savior and an advocate with the Father who is, with experience, knows what it is that we deal with walking as a human being. We know that there's people who have lived through situations that we wouldn't encourage or want anybody to have to do. And yet, they have experienced those things. And it isn't necessarily even anything that God would have anybody experience if he could would, um, have what he wanted done. And yet, because of man's contrariness, we do walk in those things. And yet God can take those experiences that that person can relate with someone who is perhaps struggling with the same thing. And I'm sure all of us can think of times in our life if there's something that we are having a problem with, whether it's some even simple thing, say a problem with a vehicle, or whether it's some life problem that we are dealing with. If we don't know how to open a door or whatever it is. I see these little ones and, and I don't know why it struck me the other day. I was watching one of them and the amount of stuff that we learn is amazing. And, and these bodies that they are born with, they have no idea how things work. And we all think that if we, you know, do this or do this or whatever, we know how that, it, it isn't natural. We have to learn many of those things. And so if we're trying to do something and struggling and there's someone who has already done that, and comes and helps, it's a benefit. And so when we take that and look, God loved us so much and cares for our well-being so much that he allowed Christ to experience all those things that he can relate to us. He understands our needs, our hurts, our hungers, our tiredness, our problems. We can trust that. And it is why we are encouraged here to turn to Him. There's men, as I mentioned, that can come up with some very intelligent things and have a, if I say, a great degree of wisdom. And yet, Maybe they haven't experienced what I have experienced. And so their wisdom is lacking in certain areas for what I need. Maybe not. But it can be. And certain philosophies work good in certain situations. 
but in other areas, they don't work at all. We have the benefit of having a Savior who has experienced all that we are going to face. And he has overcame it for us. And on top of that, as it says here, in that natural being was the fullness of the Godhead. There was the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost all there. And when we as Christians believe and trust and have that Holy Spirit dwelling within our being, we have that right there. And it is seeking to lead us and guide us and and as it says in John there, it will bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever Christ has taught us what he has done for us what he does for us and so we have that spirit of God that is walking with us and he is with us it says and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principalities and powers when we are in Christ we are complete not partially not waiting to be completed it says we are complete Yes, we still have this natural body that lets us down and our natural reasoning that lets us down and is misguided. But if we are in Christ, we are complete. It says, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of sins in the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And this gets into an area that we understand. In the Old Testament, God brought the covenant of circumcision and set it up with Abraham. It was something that is still done by the Jewish people. The covenant that they're the seed of Abraham, they're the Jewish nation that God chose. This here is speaking about something different. It is speaking of that circumcision of the heart. That cutting away of the flesh and putting it in my words simply, it's that we would be willing to stand completely open before God not trying to cover anything by doing something good so that we would cover up something bad that we have done or trying to appear good so that something that isn't good about us doesn't show it says by the circumcision of Christ it isn't even something that we can accomplish ourselves But the Spirit of God, through Christ, can reveal to the very core of our being what is there. And I believe that there are many times that we even ourselves struggle to face what's there. Or maybe struggle to believe even what we find in ourselves, in our character, in our nature. It's oftentimes things that we're not very proud to own up to. It isn't that God will come and love us if we're good enough or if some of those things don't really show. It says through Christ, it is the putting off of the body of sins. It is why we seek. And this is why we mention, oftentimes from here, sometimes 
when we're talking with someone. Sometimes we experience it that we just have, if I say, an overwhelming feeling of what we truly are. What sinful beings it is that we are. And we have this word that encourages us to look to Christ at those times. That we would seek him where he is found. And we can turn to one another with, whether it be, I don't know how to word this, but whether it be some certain sin that is bothering us or whether it is some, just the overwhelming sinfulness of what we are. And we can encourage one another, and we do, and I hope we do, to believe those things forgiven. Not because I can forgive them, but because they're covered by the blood of Christ, and we can believe that. We are told in here that we are ambassadors for Christ. That is the message that Christ came to bring, and the task, if I say, that he accomplished, that that forgiveness is true and real and available. He did that in what we call time about 2,000 years ago. And it is still valid. It says that he paid double for the sins of the entire world. We can believe that. We can trust that. And we can encourage others to believe it. To me, it is the essence of the gospel message because it was sin that came into the world with Adam and Eve when they fell that separated them from God. It doesn't really give us quite as clear direction, but we understand and see that God talked very directly with them, Adam and Eve. And as soon as they fell into sin, they were trying to hide themselves from God. They were trying to cover themselves up. We see the opposite of what is encouraged here where it says that the circumcision without hands, the circumcision that is of Christ, that exposing of what we are, and we see how human nature instantly, when sin was in, in the way, or came into be into what they had done, if I say, they wanted to try cover it up. They were ashamed of what they were. It is how we are. And yet, before God, we are encouraged. If I use the word, we are to stand naked, not naturally, but of our heart even. Not just the outward appearance, but to the very core of what we are. And amazingly enough, when we see what we are through, if I say, the revelation of the Word and the Spirit, there is forgiveness for that too. And that is why we are encouraged to preach repentance and remission of sins. Because we have to repent of what we are. Own up to what we are. It brings sorrow. Because we realize we are standing before a righteous and holy God. That demands perfection. And we are so far from that. It isn't in our being perfect. It's in Christ was and is perfect. And that perfection is ours through faith. And it isn't just that those sins are covered up. They are gone. They are washed away by the blood of Christ. And we can trust that and believe that. It says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. It isn't something that we can do. It's just as the operation of God. It is what God accomplishes. You 
it speaks and there's I guess and this is just a side note in my mind in the Bible it speaks of baptism and I think we have to be careful and ask that the spirit would enlighten us and direct our thinking to realize that it speaks about different baptisms in the Bible and we can't it, it's a difficult thing for us to understand and it almost gets too theological for my mind it speaks of one baptism one Lord, one baptism one faith and yet it is something similar the only thing that I can compare it to is it speaks of one Godhead but it is a triune Godhead there's the baptism of John there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit there's the baptism here that it speaks of of dying with Christ and this flesh it has to die we have to experience that and then we are made alive spiritually by what God does God does that he gives us that spirit we cannot take that spirit ourselves we can't give it to anybody but when we trust in God he is faithful and he gives that spirit and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses because of sin and because we are born sinful beings if we stay there and says in in the oh, sorry and the uncircumcision of your flesh if we in our natural being is, are unable or unwilling maybe I should say I don't know which word to use we're unwilling to stand before God if I say naked and let him into the very depths of our heart and then there's something that well yes we can, you can deal with that but this I just want to cover up it's a problem because he wants that that dead would be gone and cut away and that our life would be living in Christ. And that is what makes us alive. Not in our good works. Not in our ability to be a good Christian. But in Christ's ability to cover us with his righteousness. And that those things would be, yes, they're dead. And when this body dies, they're gone. And all we have is to look forward to heaven and being with God eternally. It says, the faith, through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. It was God that raised Christ from the dead. And we put our faith in the fact that as children of God, he raises us up also. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised of flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And there we see how it is accomplished through the forgiveness of the wrong that we are and the wrong that we do. And it is why we are encouraged to confess your faults one to another. It speaks, Jesus, he tells it, and there's a number of places that he says it in slightly different ways. In the 18th chapter of Matthew here, um, it says, Verily I say unto you, this is Christ speaking, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
And in John, then, when he comes and speaks to the disciples, he appears unto them, and he breathes on them and says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Then it says, Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. It is why we are able to proclaim that forgiveness. Because Christ has given us that commission and said, You are my ambassadors to share that message. Because it is how, what allows us to be raised from the dead. Because those things are forgiven. And we are alive in Christ. Because they are forgiven through Christ. And our strength is through Christ. Because, as I said when I first started, or near the beginning, because in Him is the complete Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we look to Him, that Spirit is ours to lead us and guide us and draw us to God. And it's, I guess it is something that, to me, is amazing. It doesn't say that he forgives us some of our trespasses. It says all. And it means all of them. Whatever we are willing to, to acknowledge to God he will forgive it and if there's something that we are struggling to bring to him and we are trying to hold on to that we are retaining it no let us bring it to God because this promise is there says all those things are forgiven in Christ. It says blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which is contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. In the Old Testament, God gave Moses the law And there was all those laws and, and if I say rules, ordinances that were written down for them to follow. And the Bible tells us that there was nothing wrong with them. It wasn't that God gave a bad set of rules. The problem is human flesh. This flesh that we have, it, it those laws... Excuse me. Instead of instead of bringing us salvation, it brings death because we can't accomplish them. We can't live up to that law that God gave. We can't live up to the righteousness that is even in the law, let alone when Christ elaborates on us and, and brings out more of the fullness of it. But it says, and, and it says, which is contrary to us. Yes, it's contrary to our nature. It's contrary to how we are. And if I say it was standing between us and God, because for man to get to God, we had to get through that, live up to that, live perfectly according to the law. It was standing in the way. Christ did that for us. He lived up to that Old Testament law. He lived up to it perfectly. And says, nailing it to the cross. He overcame for us. And then paid for the wrong that we are and do with his blood and his life and God raised him from the dead 
as He will us also, if we believe in Christ and what He has accomplished for me and for you. It says, in having spoiled principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. There is nothing that Christ has not overcame. There's power, and we see it in this world today. There's great power, and the vast majority of it looks very wicked and contrary to God. And it can look overwhelming and powerful, and yet, as Christians, we can understand that as much as they might accomplish, it's an illusion. It is, the battle is over. And we as Christians, it tells us we are to rest. And we look at all the stuff going on, and it can be very easy to get thinking that we need to do something about all this. I think we need to be careful. We're encouraged to stand fast. Yes, we are to stand solid in our faith. We are to stand and trust that that rock which is Christ is sure. And we are to rest in that. We don't have to accomplish anything. We were in Bible study the other night. George mentioned about it was Lil, who many of you know, and probably many of you never even heard of. How she was talking to someone, and every question they asked, she had somewhere in the Bible that answered it. And it is why it is good if we would know this word, so that we don't have to come up with something of our own. There's a great peace and a great... I don't know what other word to use. In... There's great comfort and confidence in not having to come up with something on our own if we can simply turn it over to God and just rest in this is what God says about it and there's where we'll leave it. We don't have to argue about it. We don't have to defend it. We can just say this is what the Word says. I watched someone video of someone and these two people were arguing about a certain thing and they both in some ways had a bit of an argument but not once in there was the fact that this is what God says about that situation and everything else is irrelevant man can come up with any sort of ideas, philosophies reasoning but if it's contrary to what God says, it's of no use. And we as Christians have that privilege of being able to turn to this word and just rest on that. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of new moons or of the Sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. There is many things that man can come up with. And even in the Old Testament, there was many of those things. They were to worship on the Sabbath day. And there was clean animals that they could eat, and there was unclean ones that they couldn't. And yes, I, it isn't that we can just do whatever we want. And we are not to put our worship or our trust in any of those things. Our trust is to be in Christ. And if someone is questioning because they don't think that you... I mean, we, we know that there was a time, and I, I guess it still is to some degree, where you don't eat meat on certain days of the week. Or there's people that think that eating no meat at all is the right thing to do. And 
maybe there's benefit in certain things, but it does not benefit our salvation whatsoever. And, and if someone is trying to to put a, a weight or a burden on you about how you would eat or what day you would do certain things on, we can look to this right here and say that no, it is Christ that we look to, not that we go to church on Sunday or that we go to church on Saturday. It, it says it doesn't matter. If we're looking to Christ, that's what matters. And if we're not looking to Christ, then that's what matters. And it's a problem. And it doesn't matter how good the thing is or the idea or what we're doing or how many people we are helping. If it's not of Christ, it's of no use. It says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. We can read in one place, and, and it uses the analogy of a natural body because we can all relate to it. We all walk around with one every day. And we understand how that if one part, even a, a little finger is hurting, the whole body feels it. And I think we need to be aware of those things because as the children of God, we should be aware and we should pay attention. If someone is hurting, it's affecting us. And we know that if we hit our thumb or something, it's instinct just to comfort it. Let us be quick to do that. But also to recognize that hands do something different than eyes do. Feet do something different than our neck does. They have different purposes. We have, we can't all be hands. We can't all be feet. We can't all be eyes. And I remember someone telling me sometime that they felt like that they were a hand. And they often were quite a ways away from the heart and often got dirty. But they also mentioned that they needed to be aware of that. And if there was something that they were coming and going to be close to an eye, they needed to clean up and make sure that there wasn't any dirt on them, that, that they were gentle and careful. And if an eye was seeing something that could be a problem that would cut off a finger or something, that they would listen to that. We all have a different purpose. Not a different purpose in life, but a different purpose in the church, in the body of Christ. And it is so that the whole would benefit. And that it would work together in unity and we would do our best to keep harm from happening to different parts. And be, because we would be aware that if that part is hurting, it, it's hurting us also. He said, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. This is an interesting verse here to me, because it, it warns us against a voluntary humility. And it says to me that our humbleness cannot be something that we put on ourselves. It comes from God. If we are trying to appear as humble people, it's hypocritical. Because we will become proud of how humble we are. 
And immediately it's counterproductive and contradictory. We all, because we are human beings, have a pride. And there's nothing wrong of doing, if we say a job, and being proud of doing a good job. But if we think that we are better than someone because we've done a good job, we need to be careful. And it says here, beguile you of your reward. That our reward would be taken away because we are just appearing to be humble. And it it's interesting how it ties, it says, and worshipping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. It's anything that our mind can come up with that would be outside of Christ. And yes, we are encouraged to have a humble and contrite spirit. But it isn't something that we can produce in ourselves. It's, it's part of when it says everything in Christ. We look to Christ for all things. And that he would work in our heart to produce a true humbleness. And, and part of that, I think, comes from being honest and recognizing what we are. We can appear to be many things, and some of them would appear that, to be quite good. But, if we are honest with what we are before God, it's pretty humbling, because it's not very good. It says, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. If we try to appear something, whether it's even humble, it's just our natural mind and thinking that we are better or bigger or more important than we are. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Christ is the head. And it is him that holds us together. All portions. We don't have that ability. He will use us at times. He might use us to go and encourage someone. Go to speak to someone. Maybe even reprimand someone if it comes from the Spirit. And it is what knits us together. It is what Christ has done. <coughs> Excuse me. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are thi which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men we can come up with an unending number of rules as people and we see it in many different religion many different religions we can look at them and there is all kinds of rules and we even see what the Jews did, God gave them the Old Testament law and the Ten Commandments. And yet by the time of Christ, and I've heard the numbers and I can't remember what they are, how much stuff that the Pharisees and them had added to those things to make what God said a little bit better. And it's the commandments and doctrines of men. And they were to do this, and they were to do that. And it becomes something that is unbeneficial. And yet, our human nature is drawn to it. 
it gives us something or it gives our mind something substantial to hold on to. Well, we've done this and this and we can check off the things. Simple faith in Christ is very contrary to this natural being that we are. And we see the the truth of when the Bible tells us that God's ways and our ways are so different. And his ways are so much better than our ways. And even in that simple fact right there, we see the truth of that statement. How much better is it to simply believe in Christ than to have to do this and have to do this and come up with something else we have to do? And I'm sure we've all experienced many of these things. You, you have a situation, and I guess if we say our government is a prime example. When people stop and turn away from being responsible for themselves before God and man, and start just, well, there's no rule against this that's written down, so I'm going to do it. And so then you make a rule for that, and then you have to add another one. And there's a no... The only limit to the number of rules we come up with is the depravity and depths of human depravity, which there seems to be no end of, so we can keep coming up with more rules. And it doesn't stop. How much better is it to just live by faith? Says, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and the neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. All those things, they might look wise and people worship them, and we can go so far as neglecting the body, and there's extreme forms of that. And it says, there's no honor in it. It's simply satisfying our human nature. It doesn't accomplish salvation. It doesn't make us any better. It's simply for works. And it says, we'll worship in humility. It might look like we are being humble. But we are proud of how we are able to accomplish these things and you look so humble doing them. And we could easily tie all this into the next chapter, but I will just simply close with the first verse. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, if we are the children of God, if it is Christ who is our focus, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. That is to be our focus, is on God and eternity. Not the problems that we deal with here. Yes, we have to deal with them. But we are not to love them. And we can see, even, as ridiculous as it seems, that we can start loving to be in the rut we're in. We start to love the problem that we're in instead of getting out of it. Let us set our affection, our love, our focus on God. And those things that are of eternity and put our faith in what Christ has done. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Um, there's potluck for those who wish to join us. I think that hopefully Thursday evening I can have Bible study at my place so everyone can come there Thursday evening. Anything else?
card to turn on. Well, Jeff has a card to send to us, and I know Mom just mentioned this morning that he's not very good.
would, especially Roberta in Austin's case, would, would be able to look to thee for strength and help in this time. Just be with them. We thank you for this food that the ladies have prepared. Just be with us today and bless these things to our use and to the lives that are in honor to thy name.